go away. There we go. Bailey, what's going on, dude? Not much. Dude, that was weird. It was uh, you were down in the queue and you were talking. You weren't even on the screen. I was like, is, is, does he know he's live? I was like, well, what is it? was that? like, it wasn't letting me add add myself to the stream. So, anyways, audio people would be like, oh, it sounded normal. But video people would be like, oh, there's yeah, the that, that nice that. 25 seconds of dead air. But here we are. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> oh man well it's dude. funny we have uh yeah this is just well, it'll be the different echelons of podcasting here tonight we got our professionally unprofessional selves and then we have the man joe Sermiel from the uh from meat eater the godfather of outdoor podcast coming on here tonight and it's it's like he's just sitting there he's like these scrubs you yeah know, they're not even realize they're talking right now <laughs> dude yeah like before the interview uh you know, Joe and I were chatting earlier today. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is kind of how we do things and this. And I'm like, you know, I know it's not quite the level of bent and with meat eater and, and you know, all your crew and he goes, dude, I know exactly where you're coming from. Believe me, I've been through it all. And so it made me feel a lot better because I'm like, yeah, you know, well, uh, we're not quite the, that level, but uh, happy to uh, get someone on that way. Anyways. Maybe, maybe 20%. I think I'm really curious uh, to see like how much, back end work like after they're done filming or recording of like how much editing and like what the time process looks like to, to get an episode out because i've been listening to the show for a while and i've obviously it's a really good production it's always crisp always clean it's organized and then like you go back and you listen to us and we might have like quality content we talk about but it's just like click record start talking start talking <laughs> click uh stop post and then that's it <laughs> that's it so I, sure. i'm actually really curious about like the whole process of the mediator show and like kind of like what that whole routine looks like. Yeah, man. No, I'm excited to get into it with him. And uh, again, we will get him in here, guys. We've got Joe Sermele coming on. He has uh, been someone in the outdoor fishing industry, outdoor, I would say fishing media space um, for a while here and kind of has a very cool career in that progression. And that's really what I wanted to get on to uh, on today's show on Business from the Fast Boat is really dive into someone who has made a career in this industry that we like and uh, just want to uh, really go through all of that. So let's get him in here. Joe, what's going on, man? What's up, gents? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? Good. I, you know, so I was listening to all that from the little backstage of this. You guys don't give yourselves enough credit. I think the show sounds great. And uh, I can't give myself any credit for how anything I do sounds because now at Mediator, we have uh, professional audio people that do that. So it's just funny hearing you say that. We, we did talk about it earlier, Adam. And my first podcast um, years ago, I bought all the stuff and just went on YouTube. Like, how do I record a phone call? And the way that I did it, Looking back was horrendous. I wish all this this technology uh, that, that's here now existed back then because it would have been much cleaner. So, for sure, no man. Oh, well, man. That, that's exactly right. Like, what's what's really cool to me is, and we kind of got into it is is your guys's process. But I mean, and, and we'll dig into really the whole the whole mediator situation down the road. But it has. Have you seen just a massive evolution? in podcasting from when you got into it and started things to where all this stuff is more attainable and accessible for people like us, kind of where we're at a hundred percent. And, and to be fair, I came into podcasting very late. I was, um, I was really not into it for a lot of years. I'm sort of sorry that I didn't jump into it a little sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, prior to, to joining the meat eater team, I, I worked, um, at field and stream for 12 years. I was the fishing editor there for a decade of that. And I had a video series and then it just hit a point where it's like, well, how do I expand on this? And the only natural thing seemed to be, cause it was so community based. Well, let's make a podcast. So I, I was like, I was really reluctant to, um, to get into that. And I almost feel like there were two waves of this. There were the podcasters that got in really early before anybody really cared. And then it kind of lulled out. In fact, I even remember conversations when I was at Field and Stream that were sort of like, should we do this? Should we dive into podcasting? It's like, ah, we should, maybe, I don't know. Um, and yeah, in a, in a very short amount of time, that wasn't that long ago at all. It was only a couple of years ago I was you know, recording with with Skype and a Zoom recorder having no idea what I was doing, the technology, uh, you know, and I, I honestly, I also think that a little bit of that 
um, I hate to say it, it was almost like COVID fueled, like with the, the the jump in Zoom technology and and mobile meeting and digital you know hangouts. It was just a natural progression that people were going to start figuring out how to allow you to record a, a pretty decent podcast, if not an excellent podcast. You know, as long as you have a decent mic, man, you can do it on the. You don't have to worry about anything. It's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, it's pretty powerful. Heck yeah. Dead on. I remember when I got started with Skype a few years ago, like before COVID was ever a deal. And I remember just like having trash internet. So I'd like have some guy on and I'd be like super excited to talk fishing. And then halfway through <laughs> Skype would just crash. And then you'd have to like redo it like three different times. And like, it was just such a catastrophe till I found StreamYard. Yeah. I feel so bad for I, I remember I remember trying to do it, uh, you know, hooking my laptop up to a Zoom recorder. And this is getting a little in the weeds for like a little techie, but you guys will appreciate it. And then I would use uh, the Google phone because it was free. So I'd place the call with that. But each time it was just like you were crossing your fingers like, please sound OK, like, please sound OK. <laughs> and if it doesn't, there wasn't much you could do about it. So it's just kind of like, well. This guy, this one's going to sound a little crappier than last week. You know, it was just, you were just rolling the dice. So I wish this stuff had existed, you know? Yeah. No kidding. For sure. <laughs> no, like I, and I feel like too. So, so kind of, um, on another side note, but I had business from the Bass Boat podcast before merging with the Serious Angler podcast. And mm-hmm. I had my own kind of way of doing things and post editing and all this crap taking too much time. And then like Bailey and Andrew were like, dude, why just, just use this StreamYard thing. It's fast. It's easy. You don't necessarily yeah. have to like, don't get into the weeds about it. And that's been more of my mindset, right? Especially without having those resources or really wanting to spend hours on going back through stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's funny because like you said, you have all these different ways people do it. But what's cool is that people are able to do it and get yes. kind of their, their own viewpoint out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was well, nice getting Deacon aboard the uh, a Serious Angler Network here because I know nothing about like the tech stuff. <laughs> right. Like I'll like edit things. I'll post it. Like I'm very OCD as Deacon. I'm sure I've drive, driven him nuts multiple times on like okay. just like the create, like, like the editing, the video editing, all that stuff. But like when it comes to like mics and stuff, I'm like, dude, I don't even know where to start. You have to help me here. Yeah. And I went and like, without even asking him for advice, bought a mic and it was the worst audio Ever. I had to delete the show because like it picked up my fiance two rooms over and Deacon's like, yeah, you, you bought the right, the wrong mic. And I was like, please help me. So Deacon is helping this show from his expertise here. So I tried to research everything when I started myself. Like I really thought like I'm doing a great job of researching what I need here. And then I bought this mic and I was happy with it for two years. Nobody ever complained. And then when I got to Meat Eater, I used it as a backup mic for something. I had somebody else record, um, you know, sitting down with me. It's the only other mic that I had. And the audio engineer literally was like, did you record him on a potato? And I'm like, oh, my God, was that mic that bad for that long? Like, I can't like it sounded OK to me, but it, it was just, you know, stepping up to that level. level of professionalism was just like a smack in the face. Like, dude, you didn't know anything you know what I mean? <laughs> that's so, awesome that's hilarious. yeah well dude let's get into it um one question i did have for you though you said you are on the eastern side of pennsylvania man so mm-hmm. what's uh what do you do are, are you an ice fisherman are you a guy that goes and and fishes in rivers what do you do in the winter um so my i'm an ice fisherman when we have ice but i live on that strange dividing line in the country where we miss a lot of weather. It's either brutally cold here or super warm. Like it's it's January now. There's not a stitch of ice where where I live. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm right smack, pretty much in the middle of Pennsylvania, far east side, right on the Delaware River, across from Central New Jersey. So I grew up in New Jersey, um, okay. and I always joke that I only moved to PA for the tax break. Like it's just cheaper to live here, so you just hop sure. the river and buy a house over here. But um, I, I enjoy ice fishing very much. I don't get to do it very often. Um, I've done more of it traveling than, than locally, uh, because it could be three, four years, you know, between having good ice here. Some years it's amazing. Most years it's not. So I don't even own other than some rods. I don't have piles and piles of my own ice fishing equipment. I usually would just jump on, you know, with buddies who, who have everything and go. Um, so I do enjoy it, but it's certainly not my passion. I'm an, I'm an open water guy, moving water way more so than lakes. 
Okay. I find I find you know it's funny because I know you guys do a lot of bass fishing. I find a a body of still fresh water to be more challenging to fish mm. than everything else. So locally, I'm a I'm a moving water guy most of the time in sweet water, and then of course I'm very close to the coast. Grew up fishing the coast. Still spend a lot of time fishing salt water out of Jersey and elsewhere. Gotcha, man. Well, dude, and part of that, right? I mean, like from a standpoint, you hear this all the time, especially with guys that Bailey and I interview. It's like Dude, if there is a, in at the bass tournament setting, like there's always some guy that's going to go run up a river and mm-hmm. he, and here's the deal. Fish in the current are there to feed and mm-hmm. they're going to be placed in a specific spot. Yep. And that's why they do it, right? There's certain guys who just are like, "Man, I'd rather go do that than go figure out the main lake. Like I'd rather go catch oh. them in the river where they're ready to eat." Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way and you know, I I grew up fishing some local, you know, small lakes and things, but um, I, I always say you can put me on a river anywhere in the world, snap your fingers, put me on a river. I don't care where it is. I'll figure out where the fish are. Cause it always sets up the same way. You yeah. know, a lake to me, especially a big lake is so daunting and, um, you know, fishing in general, I'm a firm believer in, you know, having, I don't know, four or five, six places that, you know, like the back of your hand rather than dabbling here and there. I really do believe in, you know, seeing home waters, especially in every condition and, and really knowing them well. And I, you know, I'll end up on these big lakes sometimes with friends or while I'm traveling and I just look out and I'm like, it would take me forever to figure this all out, you know? So, you know, with a river, it's like each new bend, especially if you're in a boat, like each new bend is new possibilities, but uh, there's some smaller stuff here, smaller lakes, smaller musky lakes that I've done some fly fishing on still haven't caught a musk, okay. moved some, but it's just so different. You know, you, 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 you row drift boat around this lake and you're super focused and eventually you come back to where you started and it's like, well, guess we'll go around again. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's like, it's the, the non-changing aspect of it. Um, so with that said, I have the utmost respect for guys who are really good stillwater, big lake fishermen. I recognize what kind of skill set and how different it is to be really good at doing that. You know? Sure. Sure. Sweet man. Well, um, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's what makes this, uh, this industry so cool is all the different ways, uh, guys get into it and the little niches of bass fishing and super yeah. saltwater fly guys. It's just, it's, it's a cool thing. And, um, dude, I think that's a good segue. Let's get into kind of your career and really what kind of launched you into, uh, the fishing industry. You mentioned the field and stream gig, mm-hmm. I guess, is that where it started for you or what, what was kind of your role getting into things? No, it, uh, it, it started before that. So my first gig was actually, while I was still in college, there was a local magazine called the New Jersey angler. Okay. And, uh, I started out, they were, they were, you know, happy to bring me on as an intern. Um, you know, and it was a small organization, so they'd never had an intern before. One of my professors kind of talked him into it and they, they let me do it. And, um, you know, I was doing everything from sitting at a fishing flea market table, selling subscriptions for them to covering the local bass tournament of the, you know, Lake Pat Kong bass club or whatever it was driving down to South Jersey, covering the shark tournament. And um, it just sort of expanded from there. I started writing some features for them, build a little portfolio. But the funny thing is the launch was, I don't want to say it was accidental, but it came on very late. Like my two passions were always fishing and music. I always grew up playing in bands. Okay. And I wanted to go into recording. That's what I wanted to do when I was in high school and uh, found out that was harder than I thought because to get into those programs, you actually like have to be able to read music, not just play punk songs and stuff. Yeah. So I could always write really well. I always enjoyed writing. So I switched to journalism in college and it wasn't until my, I don't know, sophomore, junior year when I was like, well, what can I write about as a career? Oh, I like fishing. So let's see where that goes. But really, uh, especially early on, it's funny because it's very similar to making it in a band. A lot of my success came from being at the right place at the right time, meeting the right people at exactly the right time. Their willingness to give me a shot just based on, you know, I guess a fire that they saw that I had for this. And then, um, you know, grinding it and working my, my, my butt off to, to prove that I should be there and, and just, you know, leveling up. But, um, I, I get that question more than anything. People are, you know, young people, especially are always like, how do I want to do what you do? You know, how did you get there? And, um, that's the truth. You know, a lot of things yeah. in life is, is, is being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people at the right time. 
Uh, I could get through the whole progression of how it went from the New Jersey Angler. From there, I, I went to Saltwater Sportsman. They hired me full-time right after I graduated. I was an intern there, and they hired me full-time. Uh, Field and Stream was a sister publication. I ended up going there and working on the website, which is funny because this isn't that long ago. I mean, we're talking about 2007, 2008, and at the time, Field and Stream had one guy working on its website. So it's it's weird in terms of a, a progression because I came into this at the very tail end of print still being king. You know what I mean? There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was none of that. None of that mattered. And very early on, even even these magazines, websites, um, it didn't really matter that much. It was like an afterthought. It was like, yeah, yeah, we have we we have to have this website, so we'll have it. Yeah. So uh, for for me. You know, I've been at this full time essentially for about 15 years now. Yep. And the amount of change from when I started to right now, it's like it's like our great great grandparents that went from horse and buggy to seeing you know the <laughs> Ford Model A. I'm not kidding, man. Like it's yeah, it's it's insane to the point where people hit me up, and I'm I'm always uh, happy to give advice and talk to people. You know, I, I, I answer every message, every DM, whatever. I, I like talking to people and I want to give good advice, but I could tell you how to maybe break into this in the early two thousands. Mm -hmm. I'm not that much help now because I yeah. did not have to go through the process uh, of competing against everybody. You know what I mean? There were uh, a few spots open here and there in these outdoor magazines in 2005, there were no 20 year old kids that were knocking on the door of saltwater sportsman and New Jersey angler. So now, you know, you can, you can make yourself, you can start your own thing. It's a completely different landscape. Sure. No. And, and I think though, uh, the lessons that I'm taking away from that for anyone kind of inter interested in this realm and honestly, anything in life really is especially, uh, I think, I think everyone, um, I certainly anyway have experienced that to some extent when you show that kind of passion and fire to somebody that that is um, they see that kind of interest and they're willing to take a chance with you regardless of the situation. I mean, people are are it's a um, almost a charismatic thing. And I've seen it from the opposite end of like some even some high school kid wanting to go fishing or something. Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this kid's got it. Like he, he really, really enjoys this. He wants to make this happen. Yeah. And uh, being being there and and putting yourself in those situations and may, it may be uncomfortable to go in and uh, talk to somebody that's double your age about, hey, their job and this and that. But you get comfortable in those situations and that's how you how you get to these opportunities. Yeah, I think, you know, man, I, I, I certainly don't want to, you know, come off as a downer. I think one of the other things, though, that's changed and this is certainly not, you know, exclusive to fishing. This is a lot of industries. I think the big difference also now but, um, mm -hmm. between now and when I started in 2005 is that it was a it was a different time when people were willing to take a shot. In other words, you know, saltwater sportsmen took a shot on a kid who knew nothing. I'd written a couple tournament articles. They just saw the fire and I had some recommendations and they could take the time to groom you. You know what I mean? To teach you something. Now, dude, you see a job posting. It's like requirements. It's like there's, there's four people in the world who can hit all those things right out of the gate. And one of them is probably the guy that just quit. So there's not as much room because time is money and there's budgets and fast and get it posted quickly to to take a kid under your wing within an organization and, and pay them knowing this kid's going to need some polish. We're going to need to work with this kid. Nobody, very few people have the time to do that anymore. And I stepped into that like last era where, you know, the, the guys above me who'd had much longer print careers were like, all right, we'll, we'll get this kid up to speed. You know, that's, you don't see that as much anymore. Yeah. I'll say firsthand that was, that was my case in working in PR. Now I had no PR experience. Uh, but I think like if you're passionate about something and like you're willing to, you know, put in that, that extra, you know, inch that no one else is really doing or work that extra hour that when everyone else goes home, like if you're willing to show that and show passion, you have knowledge of that, you know, whatever industry that you're working in. Uh, I think people are willing to take a chance. Cause I, I mean, I, I was straightforward with uh, the guys over at gunpowder. I was like, I don't know PR. I haven't done PR, <laughs> but they're like, took a chance. Cause I, you know, I somewhat know fishing. Yeah. And it, it worked out pretty well. 
and that and that's cool but i think i think you know it's a dying breed kind of yeah it's 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 very difficult to find your your shot you know and um you're looking for your shot while you know hundreds of thousands of other people are like well i'm gonna make my own shot on you know a podcast or youtube or whatever you you're not competing You, you compete against everyone now you know it's 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 tricky no, I, and I think that's a that's a good point. Um, that the game has changed. The uh, the the one thing that I will I will uh, disagree with from that standpoint, and this was more on on kind of um, my outside of podcasting is the farm and ranch real estate world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I approached a couple of guys, and I and I made my position happen from a standpoint right. of right, like there wasn't a job listing. I think like one of the hardest things is to go and look at job listings and be like, like you said, I mean, cause it's ridiculous. It's like, how are you going to pay me a beginning salary when I like, I don't have any experience. I'm coming out of college. Like I right. don't, I'm not there. And right. so I think that if you can uh, almost create something that hasn't been listed yet and get in before maybe something gets posted and create a role somewhere, I think is a, is a big part. And like you said, like, especially, especially with COVID, I think that this is a time period where you are seeing a lot of people like the job markets are hot from that standpoint. Like there's a lot of opportunity to get jobs in a lot of different things, but also people are like, do I want to be my own boss and create something on my own? Absolutely. Which route is better depends on who you are. Right. You know, and it depends on what you want to do, but like, like in kind of your situation, things can get picked up and you get picked up somewhere else because of something you were doing personally that had nothing to do with your career. Yeah. That's an interesting conversation and I, I think it's one for an entire new show and whatnot but like with the whole COVID thing and the whole like negative side of like a bunch of businesses like failing i'm also curious to see the flip side of like how many remote businesses were started oh, like people that were like sitting oh. at home had nothing to do that an idea pops up they're like hey let me start that i could probably rat unrelated to fishing i could probably like rattle off five that you know from people that i look at these businesses and i'm like what are you like you think that's gonna work you know and i and i wish them all success but you know the reality i i want to know how many are going to sustain that's the mm, thing right. you know what i mean post post all this yeah 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 that's i gotcha point. yeah well, Joe, I mean, so so your role, let's get kind of back into, uh, I told you there's going to be a bunch of sidetracks, so what we do. No, nah, man. Back into the uh, the field and stream uh, fishing editor role. So mm-hmm. you're you're here, and what really uh, got you going on on hook shots, or where did that come about to get into your um, the, the podcast space? Yeah, so, I mean, um, <laughs> hook shots had very humble beginnings. Uh, I've always been the kind of person that, that, wants to learn new things just because it seems like a good thing to know. So, you know, between um, New Jersey angler, saltwater sportsman, and the first couple years at field and stream, I was pretty handy, you know, with a camera, I could take a picture that would hold in the magazine. Um, you know, I was, I was writing a ton and the only thing I didn't have was a video camera. So for Christmas, I, my dad's like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't know, give me a camcorder. I don't I didn't even know why I wanted it. So I had the thing and just started tinkering with it. And asked uh, my editor at the time at Film Stream, I was like, "Can I start a fishing show on our website?" He's like, "Yeah, go ahead." It was as simple as that. You know what I mean? It was no. It was just like, "You want to give it a shot? Go right ahead. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But go ahead, man. Give it a shot." Um, and if you look back, so that would have been around 2008. I started that. Even then, fishing video compared to now was was nil. That was fledgling. Like, yes, YouTube was a thing. But I think the idea of series on, uh, you know, YouTube had not really come around yet. And for me, you know, in Field and Stream Magazine, it had such a long history. There's such a reverence for that, that I could be myself when I wrote there. But you still have to remember, like, I'm representing Field and Stream, right? So I can't, you know, say anything that I want or, you know, incorporate, talk about my love of punk and metal music in my monthly field and stream column. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Right. So there was always like the field and stream Joe and then the hookshots Joe and hookshots was just basically sort of the anti fishing show show. It always bothered me. Like as much as we, you know, we love bill dance and Hank Parker grew up watching these guys. It's like the show starts on the boat and ends on the boat. And I think it was because I was uh, a feature writer and enjoyed writing a good story. 
I'm like, well, I'm going to make these videos and I'm going to just, it's, it's, it's not like a crazy formula. I'm just going to show you everything that happens from beginning to end, good or bad. You know, we're not going to manufacture anything. We're not going to craft anything. Um, and it was a combo of that and not striving for destinations. You know, uh, I got to go to some amazing ones in 11, in 11 years of putting that together, uh, you know, crazy places, the Amazon, things like that. But I would follow up the Amazon with a um, episode on catching chain pickerel in, you know, the drainage ditch behind my house. That's awesome. Because I've always been a huge proponent of um, really embracing your home waters, no matter what they are. Don't sit around and go, God, I wish I was in Canada. Oh, I wish I could get to Florida. You know, if if what you have is a creek down the street with smallmouth, if what you have is a couple ponds with bass, uh, once you sort of lose the fire for what's in your backyard, that's dangerous to me, you know embrace what you have and i think hookshots really sort of uh expanded on that so if i got to go somewhere cool i was very open with like oh my god i can't believe i'm here either guys but come along like let me show you and it's not all going to be pretty i mean a lot of crazy stuff ended up on camera and it was very low budget i was the host and videographer and editor and i found all the music um, but it worked and, and, you know, it was not a commercial success in the sense of, look, I'm not the Guggen squad now, right? Like I didn't have millions and millions of followers, sure. but it created a, a community, a very tight, loyal community. And I've always believed in, um, you know, like I'd rather talk to 10,000 people that like are really into what you're saying and, and want to be there than a million people where the majority of them aren't even really paying attention. Uh, I've always <laughs> been into that, 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 that loyalty and community aspect of it. And Hookshot's had that, you know, and I, I, I think we've achieved that with Bent now too. Gotcha. But yeah. I, sorry, you asked about the podcast. So the, the, the podcast just followed, you know, we did nine years of video and then I'm like, ah, well to keep that community going just to create more content, that's where the Hookshot's podcast came from. So that was two years of that. So that was post was, yeah. the video you're saying, or was that they, they ran simultaneously? Years? So I hookshots ran for 11 years in video. There's 80 some episodes on YouTube. And then the last two years of that simultaneously, I did a biweekly hookshots podcast, you know, by myself, cut it and produced it myself. Very cool. Bailey, you had something to say there, man. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I think you're seeing that a lot. Like it's more prevalent today where you see, whether it's a YouTube channel or a TV show or what have you, like they establish this community of following and then they realize what podcast does and the retention that podcasts get. Like it's not a YouTube video where a guy's going to click on it and, you know, kind of scroll through and get to the good parts, whatever. You can't really do that in a podcast unless right. it really gives you a timeline. You know, like you're looking at like 90 percentages in terms of like people listening to the majority Dang. of the show. So you're really able to get like an actual thought out, like topic, discuss thought you know portrayed uh and it's a cool way to actually really really connect not by just a a webcam you're seeing more and more channels at least on the youtube side do that now and they're now making youtube they're making podcasts totally and i think i mean it's lower overhead right and and the reality is um you know these days if you seem to if you study the youtube algorithm a little bit you know people are putting up a video a week they're all 15 or 20 minutes, you know, because they, they need to hit a certain, uh, you know, ad service. And I, I never wanted to do the just sort of the run around with a GoPro on my head method, not knocking that, but it's not what I did. And I feel like Hookshots was somewhere between, you know, professional and just the GoPro on the head. But it's easier to serve somebody a podcast weekly than try and keep up with. I mean, there'd be no way I'd be able to produce something hook shots or B-side caliber on a weekly basis. I would never sleep. It's impossible. Um, so I, I, I think that a podcast is in some sense a better tool with with connecting with a really loyal audience, you know, mm, for sure. I'm actually yeah. I mentioned it in the introduction, Deacon, if you don't mind, I, I'm actually really curious, like the process and time it takes to film and produce one bent show. The, the podcast you mean yeah yeah sorry not not the show but like uh, the podcast episode like from recording to the back end like editing or adding in different bits like what does that right. look like well it's uh it's it's a little tricky to explain uh because for anybody who, who hasn't listened to bent um you know 
it's more 90s radio show is how we put it than a, a, a straight talking podcast. And when I started with Meat Eater, um, they wanted a fishing podcast, but didn't want two guys talking about fishing. They had enough, you know, just talking podcast in the network already. So this idea came up to do this sort of 90s radio show. Um, so the process, it's rough. But if you can handle it and and you you operate like a well-oiled machine, it gets easier. So basically, we're always recording, right? We are always recording these segments. Just every week, you try and knock out X amount. You record with this guy, record with that guy. You know, you find uh, something for our sale bin segment, and we'll record one of those. And you are constantly just stacking folders with segments. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time to do this week's show, uh, me or my my co-host uh, Hayden Samak, uh, Miles Nolte before him, if it's if it's if it's say my week to to come up with a show, now I go uh, into the drive and I say, okay, I'm pulling this segment, this segment, this segment, this one, and building it like a puzzle. And you say, well, okay, this kind of connects with this, so that makes a nice theme here. And then you write, uh, you know, or outline all the interstitial glue to connect those segments. And then uh, the last thing you do, we always record our news segment very close to showtime so that it's current. Sure. But it, and you know, and again, we have great audio engineers. So you're just constantly dragging these pieces into this folder. And that's when the audio engineer goes in, he opens that folder. Boom. There's every segment for that week's show. And it's fine if you stay on top of your game. You know what I mean? So like when we launched, we had five episodes in full in the can for launch to buy ourselves time. Mm -hmm. Um, If you get stuck in the trap where you're not a couple weeks ahead and don't have plenty of segments in the can at all time, dude, like lately between the transition between co-hosts and then take a few weeks off for the holidays yeah, you know what I mean? You, I you have that. to crunch because <laughs> it's very easy to to get off track. And then if you get off track too far with that style, it's very, very hard to recover. So um, I love the format. To say it's not challenging would be a lie. And the only way it works is to stay incredibly on top of it at all times, you know? Yeah. And, and I know Bailey, uh, that's uh, Joe and I kind of had a conversation about the 90s radio side of things. And uh, do you use, uh, is is Phil your audio engineer too? Does he, he do is. everyone in Meat Eater? Because no, I, no, okay. no, he doesn't do every, he doesn't do everyone. We have several audio engineers. Um, you know, Phil, I believe, is still cutting the main Meat Eater podcast and uh, yeah. a few others. But um, Hayden Samick, my, my, my new co host, he actually got hired as an audio. He's an audio engineer too. We just happened to hit it off and have some things in common. And when uh, I needed a new co-host, you know, he stepped in for just our news segment and um, people were like, I like him. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? So do I, you know what I mean? So I'm not, you know, let's not, let's not spend months looking for this perfect person. I'm like, I think I got him right in front of me. You know what I mean? He, he, he proved himself. But no, we have a bunch of audio engineers. But yes, Phil, Phil is our guy. Phil the engineer. Phil's man. the man. Phil Dude, is the I man. Like He's like every... this mythic hidden person behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, but he'll talk. He'll jump in. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I've been a big fan of the Mediator podcast, the original one. And I listen to Remy's and I listen to a pile of them. Yeah. And, and like, man, it is uh it's always funny when he jumps in on something and Steve will like razz him on the original one. And it's just like this mythical guy that's in does everything in the background. Yeah. Totally. And he, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was our idea to have him judge our news segment, you know? So people Uh, are really looking forward to that. Now I've noticed that, uh, we'll get just as many comments about Phil's judgment as something that we said in the show in an integral part he's become. So, so on the, on the show you posted on Christmas Eve with the, uh, the sounds like a, halfway to blackout drunk santa claus (laughs) what was the uh what was the feedback you guys got on that one it was all surprisingly very very good um that took a little while to 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 get together and uh we love playing with satire there's several you know fictional characters we'll have on there and the stuff is a lot of fun to write but you can't overkill that i was slightly skeptical on the santa thing 
but at the same time, you know, um, bent is it's, it's not for the children. You know what I mean? Like that's not who we're making a podcast for. So yeah, we straddled the line a little bit with that, but it was fun. We didn't get truly didn't get any negative feedback on that at all. That one had me rolling on the floor. Just I, yeah. Santa Claus talking like that. <laughs> I think that's what I, I really like about the Bent podcast is it's uh like like kind of you alluded to there as far as not for the children. Uh, it's a it's a entertainment thing for me, man. Like I just it's one of those situations where I just I just want to listen because it sounds like a couple of buddies talking and uh I enjoy it for that aspect, but you also learn a lot too through the news segments and that kind of thing too. It's kind of a uh, a unique deal that I enjoy listening to. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's absolutely our goal, right? I think almost everything I've done, I've leaned in on entertainment more than anything. I'm not a fishing expert. I know a lot because I've had the opportunity to rub elbows with a lot of great fishermen all over the country. And there's a few things that I would, I hate to use the word expert, but like, I know what I'm doing with, with a lot of different things. But uh, people are always like, oh, man, you're a professional fisherman. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a writer. I'm not a professional fisherman. Um, so that's what I always hope to bring to it was that entertainment aspect, but you can't just go all in on that either. So sorry, we were pretty proud of Bent because, you know, I appreciate you saying that because that's exactly what we're going for. We, we want you to be entertained. We want you to laugh, but, um, we also, when possible, want you to walk away going, oh, picked up a trick or hmm, didn't know that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely gets accomplished on each show. Cool. Good. Good. This is we're reaffirming what we're doing. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and boys, I actually have uh, I told Deacon this offline. Uh, Joe, I don't know if I actually mentioned it to you, but I still have a bunch of work to get done for today. And I actually have a meeting that came up. So uh, I'm going to run and leave you two to complete today's show. But regardless, Joe, buddy, it was good to put uh, name to face. Yeah, Joe, man. Appreciate it, Bailey. You're ditching us for a Zoom call, man? Come yeah, on. Honestly. I know. I, you, you, can call <laughs> Chuckle, you, you can call Chuckle yell at him. <laughs> there you oh, go. I know. I, I've known Bailey's boss for years. You get in there and you tell him Stromelli said that was rude of you to leave and you should come back to the podcast. <laughs> Whatever it is, it can wait. You can tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till. Uh, yeah, I'll wait till after. We're in uh, after our ice fishing trip in Minnesota next week. So I'll there have you to go. See him after I say that. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's boys, it was good chatting with you. Joe, we'll talk to you soon. Yep, good hanging out, brother. Thanks for coming on, dude. Oh man, well that's funny. Well, um, dude, I I mean, like, I think it's it's been a. Uh, I really wanted to what kind of Bailey skipped over, just asking a little bit about the Bent podcast. But how did how did things go from? the hookshot pot hookshots podcast to then um bent or were you approached how does how did that work if you don't mind getting into it and if you don't feel comfortable that's fine too but as far as where did that evolve no there's there's um there's i'm trying to think of is i mean there's 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 nothing there that that would be secret so yeah um my boss for years at field and stream was anthony lakata he was the editor-in-chief a good buddy of mine and as a boss he was very open to letting you try stuff. He's the guy that when I was like, Hey man, I got a video camera. Can I make a show? He's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. He was, um, you know, super into the the things I wanted to try, very supportive. And, um, I think I know that, that he thought, you know, even though hook shots maybe wasn't so field and stream. I mean, if you look at what I was doing and the music and the attitude, there was nothing field and stream about it. it. I was, I was the black sheep in that regard. Right. Sure. But uh, I think he recognized that um, this is where media is going. Like these are the, you know, personality driven stuff. It it has importance more and more year over year. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm still grateful uh, to field and stream for letting me do that for that long. You know, it wasn't, a super high budget, high cost deal, but it costs money. And you know what I mean? And they, they bankrolled that and, um, you know, and supported it and allowed me to, to do that. And I'm forever grateful for that. But, um, Anthony left for meat eater in April, 2019. Mm. And, um, that's about the end of that story. You know what I mean? Meat eater was looking to ramp up fishing a little bit. Anthony, I think recognized, uh, that I, you know, embraced, the the modern media and didn't mind you know i i said that 
I, I started this before all the Instagram, Facebook. I was like the last round when none of that mattered. But there's also a lot of really great people that I used to work with or knew or that were in the industry. And they're in that same time period who were so resistant. You know what I mean? I don't want to know about Facebook. I don't want to know about Instagram. I don't want to know about YouTube. I am a print writer. I am a writer. This is all I do. And a lot of those people didn't sustain. So I, I rolled with those punches and 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 embraced that stuff. So, um, yeah, man, you know, he, he called me up and said something to think about. You know, meat eaters, uh, they they put the things that you want to do in terms of audio and video in the forefront. I mean, that is like a key part of of their program um, Verse at the time still print was king at field and stream, you know. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, I think the big part of this show is kind of some of the lessons and takeaways here and and two things that I'm hearing. One is like the relationships that you build, you never know where this small world will take you from a different way. And by by having that good of a relationship with your boss who is very mm -hmm. open and you like, I mean, that parlayed into your role now. Yeah, right? This is an incredibly small industry. I mean, you know, I hear the hunting guys talk about how small the hunting industry is. And by comparison, the fishing industry is even smaller. So, you know, I always find it funny. Um, you, know, you see all these like rivalries and wars and mudslinging on social media. Now this who hates who and this company, oh, yeah. man, you will never, you, you could look back through everything I've ever done. Like I knew better. You don't do that. You don't know who you're going to need to be an ally. There is no reason to ruffle feathers. It does nothing for you uh, in the long run. You treat everybody with respect. You recognize opportunities. If somebody doesn't like you, that's okay. Like not there, there are people who can't stand me. That's okay. Like I, I make what I'm, you know, uh, happy with and feel as authentic and speaks to who I am. You don't want to watch it. People don't okay. like it. People you don't know? Like but it. but I'm not gonna. I'm I, I I you know I'm not gonna criticize somebody or, um you know take shots and and in this industry that that matters because it is small and you you don't know uh you know what connections are gonna lead where. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it, like it, and I think related to a lot of things in life, but especially in a small industry industry situation. I mean, don't burn a bridge. Like there's never. <laughs> don't burn a bridge. Don't throw out a business card. I always tell people that. You know, you just don't know. I still have. I mean, I haven't opened them in years, but I still have like literally binders, like hard binders from my early days. Like went to Staples and bought the business card pages, like for baseball cards. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. yep. So you never know. None of those people are probably at any of those roles anymore. They're so old, but um, change. somebody, you know, told me that don't ever toss a business card and I haven't, you know, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah. and, and the other thing I wanted to touch on there is, is, uh, like you said, some folks that were, man, it's almost, uh, when a new platform comes out, a new, uh, media rather than print going to video or whatever it may be. Some people, um, do everything they can to push against it and not adapt per se, but, but having that open-mindedness, I think also was a big part of, of you being able to, to move forward. Yeah, for sure. Although, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was partially hypocritical too, because, you know, I came in at that, you know, Facebook was the thing when I was in college. So it started there. And then I was like hesitant on Instagram. I had this attitude of like, I don't need to do both, but I need to do both for, you know what I mean? So now I, now I'm, I'm on both and, uh, you know, I do the whole Instagram thing, but now I'm like, ah, oh, what are these kids in their TikTok? Oh, dude, Nobody yeah. needs that. But that's, that's, it's the wrong attitude. And I know that because you can't ever, you can't ever bet that you're going to be right with that stuff, you know, Snapchat, Instagram. But, you know, as I get older, I'm like, oh, I'm putting so much into this, this, and this, I don't have time for that. And that might end up shooting you in the foot, you know, but it, my in, to defend myself i'll say that i was there when it was like two choices three choices myspace facebook whatever now it's like i did i can't be on all these things i don't have time for all that you know right. no and, I, and i'm probably the same way you are it almost goes to to hurt me from the like uh i get in late standpoint right mm -hmm. it's like man like I got a Facebook last out of all my friends. And I, I did, I do the same thing. I'm <laughs> the same way with Instagram. When I started at meat eater, I had no Instagram and I regret that 
I, re I regret that uh, immensely. And one of the reasons, and here's a good lesson, kids, you know, the, the one downside to um, like hook shots, I didn't own it. And I put in five hard years of growing the Facebook following for that social offshoot yeah. brand by myself and never paid to boost a post, nothing. And got that almost to 50,000 on wow. Facebook, which is like impossible. Now Facebook's like a brick wall. I don't even really care about Facebook anymore. To tell you the truth, mm -hmm. but that's the price you pay. You walk away. It doesn't come with you, you know? So I started at, at Mediator with zero on Instagram, you know, so you to build it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I think that, like you said, there's ups and downs with all of this. And like really at the beginning of the year, we were talking about people going and starting their own thing versus finding a role in a company or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. I mean, the opposite of that though, dude, the first thing that I thought of when you started going through this from my aspect of building a podcast was like, well, man, man, it would be nice to maybe have that funding or a salary where someone is is able to pay me and support what i want to do within a brand you know but like you said you don't get the at the end result necessarily of being able to uh to own it per se yeah and 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 it's it's all a, a i mean it's all it's all a trade-off there there are there are pros and cons to um both sides of it and i i really don't want to get into the weeds on that other than to say i think that's you have to weigh that based on where you are, who you are, what your connections are, what your confidence is. Um, you know, it's uh, there's, there's definitely pros and cons to both in terms of exposure versus not exposure. It's sort of a case by case basis, depending on who you are and what you want to do, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, dude, you've had some absolute packed full advice and i appreciate all of it i know it's not quite your style as far as just an entertainment thing um so no, man it's fun man i i yeah no i this is a great time yeah hopefully it gives you uh some aspect of i don't know if anything reflecting on your career and giving some help to people who are interested in it yeah um, dude kind of how we like to end the show uh what are your and and three biggest if you've caught them all but small mouth large mouth and spotted bass what you caught them on and where you were spotted bass zero that is still on my hit list and i have people all the time trying to entice me to i i think that spotted bass like in the georgia rivers and things like that yeah so like you you have some spotted bass in uh, well like there's some like yeah there's some coosa river spots or what you're talking about which are just giants there's yeah some cool spots yeah. Spotted bass there. they're in some different reservoirs mostly on the southeast or then you have the really big ones on like california west coast right they're mixed in but yeah so that's been like hiding on my hit list for years and and it's i just have not gotten there yet mm -hmm. but now with my new series with b-side fishing for meat eater that yeah. seems like it would play so i'm i'm eyeballing that um like largemouth bass is eight little over eight and a half oh that's a big it, one dude. yeah and that was on um el salto in oh Mexico. yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome so i've been down there a few times truthfully i'm not i'm not that much of a largemouth guy mm -hmm. um like largemouth fishing to me is is a bass pond and a fly rod with a hair bug in the summertime you know like yeah uh, and that goes back to me not being that much of a lake guy really sure. but i've gotten to go down to uh el salto and picachos and largemouth guy or not i'm not passing that up i'm like hell yeah hell i am i am in Let's go. Yeah. so um it wasn't the most glorious thing in the entire world like you know we were i think i caught it on a spinner bait and it was like Two pounder, two pounder, three pounder, four pounder. Oh, eight and a half, three pounder, three pounder. You know, it just kind of happened. You know, it wasn't yeah. some glorious thing. And um, I have cracked seven with smallmouth. No that, was actually, that was actually out of Buffalo Harbor. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On Erie. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. I have, I have, uh, I have two of those, um, both from there, both from Erie. Wow. Over yep. seven, dude. Yeah, what a place. No, I, that's uh, I'm always jealous talking to uh, Bailey and Andy, the co-hosts on Sirius Eggler Show, just because like, man, they live in a, a place that really has them. Yeah, well, see, then I'll I'll say that to you like ah, a little over seven, but then I'll instantly because I I feel the need to be honest, like self-deprecate. It's the same thing though. Like this is like early spring tube dragon deal, and okay. it's like three pounder, three pounder, four pounder. Oh, where'd that one come from? So it wasn't like Sermelli's quest for his seven, like, seven pounds. Just like, boom, there it was. What? Seven? Really? Cool. Awesome. You know, so 
neither one of my my two biggest bass were like this epic eat or anything like that or hunt you know yeah yeah well i mean the cool i don't know like that's that's what makes uh makes fishing fun though is like it could be a day where you're like man i've like i've got them dialed these two and three pounders and it's going down but i'm just catching two three pounders and then you catch a big one you're like that doesn't make any sense and that's why i love it i'm gonna come back yeah. and try and figure it out <laughs> yeah i i have um you know talking about the lake guys even though i'm not a largemouth guy my my respect for them is is legion and i'm sure you guys know oliver and i um mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm buddies with him I, I got to film with him this past september and and long story short you know he's out there doing his swim bait thing throwing his swim bait sticking to it we're having a horrible day in virginia like it was a cold front nothing was going on yeah. And at the very end of the day, these little stripers come boiling up and we, we, it was so miserable that I just wanted to catch something, anything. So I threw on a fluke and I'm catching these little stripes. He's not yeah. catching anything on his swim bait. And for a hot minute, I was like, eh, I'm smarter. Like you're over here playing when you swim bait. And then, yeah. Next thing I know, like he swung like a six and a half in the boat and almost hit me in the face. And I'm like, that's that's awesome that's why he's the man like that's, that's respect sweet. for that you know Heck so yeah. i wish i was better at it but um i just I, I don't i don't do it enough you know what i mean i'm just not the the largemouth pro sure man no was that uh was that when you were it might have been on one of your shows when you had uh brandon and carl on were you talking about that situation catching those stripers with a little bit because a little because the uh this the spot where we happen to have that fish was somewhere that uh i think brandon and oliver ended up together in a tournament mm -hmm. and it was like a little yep. like yeah vying for position over this particular spot i'm not going to name it because sure. they are i know they're already worried about burning it but um yeah it was pretty cool. It was pretty special. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, dude, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out today, Joe. I know you're a busy guy with everything. Like you said, post holidays, you are, I'm sure covered up <laughs> work wise. Uh, I'm, I'm totally slammed, but I'd, I'd, I'd much rather do this than the things that I'm totally slammed with. So <laughs> we could talk longer if you want. I got to go answer emails as soon as they're done. <laughs> you're the same mindset I do. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm slammed, but what would I rather? I'd rather talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. Well, man, well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out coming on the show and, uh, thanks for all the, all the, uh, the advice for all the people, uh, out there looking to, to kind of get into this deal. So, uh, appreciate it. And I am a, a huge fan, man. I will be listening to, to all the bands in the future here. Anytime, Adam, we'll do it again, brother. All right, man. Thank you again. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can, and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.